Welcome to another episode of the SaaS Podcast. I'm your host, Omar Khan, and this is the show where I interview proven founders and industry experts who share their stories, strategies, and insights to help you build, launch, and grow your SaaS business. Uh, today's guest is an entrepreneur, startup mentor, and digital marketing strategist. After a 14-year career at Microsoft, she founded her own company, and in three years, grew it from a two-person consulting firm to a digital agency with offices in three countries. She also runs the Seattle chapter of the Founders Institute, the world's largest startup accelerator program. And she's also on the board of Women in Wireless, a nonprofit that empowers and develops female leaders in mobile and digital media. So today I'd like to welcome Maria Dijkstra. Maria, welcome to the show. Thank you, Omar. Very excited to be here. Now, you are also in the Seattle area. And, um, you know, it's funny, I'm just looking out the window and it's another overcast day and gloomy and and uh, I just got so used to being spoiled with all that sunshine over the last few weeks that I forgot that most days are, are like this. Yes, we have a very typical Seattle weather today. Yeah. <laughs> last couple of summers, it was not like Seattle, so we're back to normal. Dang, not dang, yeah. Great. Now, um, I like to ask my guests for a success quote uh, just to try and understand what what motivates and inspires them. Do you have a favorite quote? I do. You know, um, back at Microsoft, one of my mentors said, um, do something every day that scares you to death. And I took it to heart. And it was very interesting for me to see a quote from Marissa Meyer recently. What she said is that I always did, did something I was a little not too ready to do. And after the moment of, wow, I'm not really sure what I'm doing, she pushes through that moment, and then that's where she experiences a breakthrough. And I think to me, it's a very important quote, because a lot of, I, I come from a, working with a, with a lot of female entrepreneurs, and female entrepreneurs tend to say, I'm not ready, I'm not going to do it. And so we hold ourselves back. So to me, I was trying to live by that quote a lot. Yeah, that's good. And I hear, I, I, I it, it's not just a f- for females, I hear that from a lot of people um and even my sense myself personally i think there are so many times where you're like uh, you know <laughs> i want i have that idea i want to go and do that but i, I don't know i'm not ready in, in fact this podcast is a is a great example of that as well and well, actually i actually did do that right so um you know a couple of years ago i i i would have been terrified just even thinking about doing something like this um, and now, you know, here we are, uh, we're, we're talking and, uh, and we actually have people listening to the show as well, which is, uh, pretty remarkable. So, yeah. all right. So let, let's, um, let's talk a little bit about your story. Um, and I know that the, we want to focus the majority of this conversation really in, in sort of picking your brain and learning from you on what it takes to get clients. And that applies to a lot of people listening, you know, as I explained to you earlier, that there are, there are folks who maybe are, you know, solopreneurs who have a product, but they're also maybe supplementing um, their income by doing some freelancing or consulting work. And then there are other people who maybe have to go and try and get clients 
just as part of um, you know acquiring customers for their SaaS product, maybe if they're in the B2B space. So that's really what I want to try to focus on and hopefully give people some some actionable insights that they can take away and uh, start applying themselves. So tell me a, a little bit about your story and, um, you know, after you you left Microsoft, um, how, how did you go about starting your, um, your agency? Uh, well, that was one of my scary moments when I spent 14 years at Microsoft and I enjoyed every moment of my job and I've learned so much and I met amazing people, but it was time for me to go. So I walked out without having a clue of what I would do, Uh, but I had passion for marketing and I had passion for digital marketing specifically. And my co-founder, he's built a number of successful businesses in the past. So that's how we started with the two people consulting agency. And so our first customers were really uh, focused on some of the emerging uh, business-to-business or e-commerce clients, and we worked with them to get them uh, up to speed. In about a year, we realized that consulting business is wonderful and profitable. However, it takes so much of our time. And the second part of consulting business is that people were looking for us to really do the work for them. So we listened to our customers when we realized we needed to tweak what we were doing. And um, in, in the year after starting the business, we started building out the company uh, with the team in different countries. So we figured out how to scale some of the um, tough part of the agencies by putting folks in different countries and balancing the workload. So I have a team in the U.S. that's focused on some of the high touch activities. And I have teams in Russia and India that are helping us with some of the back end workload. And so balancing that out allows us to keep the pricing really low. So that's our competitive advantage in the market. And really, one of the things about our agency that's different, that's applicable to your audience, is that a lot of our growth comes from our own practices of using social media and digital media. So we do a lot of our lead generation and a lot of our um, building customers through social media. And that's where I would like to talk to you and share some of the things that we do for ourselves and we also do for other clients to really build the customers. Okay, great. So let, let's let's dig into that and, and start talking about social media. So I think Twitter is probably uh, the most relevant platform for for this audience. Um, so what what are some of the things that you were doing with your business to to find clients through Twitter? Well, what we're doing, we're very active with thinking of who are the influencers for us, who is a competition and really listening to the way competition conducts their business and the influencers conduct their business. Because a typical person on Twitter would come out and they would start tweeting and would start pushing information out. But I really think of Twitter as a listening tool and a PR tool. It's the place for you to build relationships by conversing with people. And it's a place for you to build an audience and ask questions. So what we do, we proactively look for specific keywords and specific things that our target audience is talking about in interjecting ourselves in a conversation. So we look for people who are talking about social media challenges, and we build relationships with them by first following that person who may have a question about social media. And then we will. our next step would be to send them 
send them a question. And when they, the person engages with us, it can go into a broader, more longer conversation with them. And that eventually builds the connection. I was telling you earlier today, um, in our pre-interview, Omar, is that one of the consulting clients, for example, he listened for a person who had a question about it and, and they immediately got in conversation and he landed the client with five minute conversation on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. So, um, Okay, so finding, you said looking for keywords um, and conversations. Uh, how do you do that on Twitter? The best way for, for us is to set up Hootsuite. So our favorite tool is the it's Hootsuite. I've tried a variety of different tools that exist in the market, and I still keep coming back to that enterprise-level product that may be not the favorite of everyone, but it still really does a good job of listening to keywords. So what I would recommend is for any uh, any person who's active on Twitter is to set up a Hootsuite dashboard because it would allow you to listen to mentions. So anyone who's mentioning you and your Twitter handle on Twitter, you can set up it in the stream on Hootsuite and you can pay attention to people who are engaging with you and responding. That's a critical, important step. The second stream that you can set up in Hootsuite is a stream that listens for specific keywords. So, for example, I spend a lot of time working with Startup Seattle. So I have a I have a stream in Hootsuite that specifically has two of the hashtags. It has startups and it has Seattle. So that helps me stay in touch with everything that's happening in the entrepreneurial world. We also work with agencies. So I have a stream that's set up for all of our agency partners. So I know what's going on with them because I have added every agency partner to a Twitter list. And I have a stream in Hootsuite that listens to that. So to take that to your listener's perspective, for example, if it's a SaaS company and their specific target audience from the enterprise um, decision makers, that adding those decision makers or adding the target companies to the list and constantly spending time looking at what's happening with them on social media could be really good first step. So I, I really think about, I have a formula. I call it 5 And what it means is that as a business owner or as an entrepreneur, you should be spending at least five days on social media with at least 15 minutes trying to connect with at least five people. And that allows you to have consistency in talking to people and being present on social media. I like, I like that five, 15, five, because I think one of the things with, I see with social media or let's say Twitter. Um, well, well, first of all, what is it that you like about Hootsuite so much? Because I mean, I have Hootsuite. I don't really use it that much. Um, and I, I guess I should be using it more. Um, Sometimes, you know, I'll just go into, I just go to the Twitter website or, or use a Twitter app. Um, what is it about Hootsuite that you like so much? Well, several things. First is that I can consume massive amount of information side by side without having to go to different uh, Twitter clients. So, for example, if you're trying to look at what's happening with a specific list, you have to go to Twitter and you have to load that list and you need to understand what people are talking about. Then you have to log out of that and you need to search for specific keywords and get information on that. And then you need to see who mentioned you, who engaged with you. So all of those 
actions can be set side by side in Hootsuite. So all I need to do in the morning, I get my cup of tea, I log into Hootsuite, and I see everyone who's engaged with me. I can get a quick snapshot of what my partners and competition and customers are talking about because I have three streams set up for each of those. I can also look at the specific keywords that I'm listening for outside of the audience I already defined. So I can get it done in 15 minutes and move on with my day. Because the social media, another flip side of social media is that if you're addicted to it, you can spend hours just looking at all the different pieces of information and won't be as productive as you set yourself 15 minute time box. You got into Hootsuite, you've accomplished a lot of productive communication interaction. You moved out. Maybe you do that again in the evening. And the, the ROI of those actions, ROI of this action is huge compared to trying to get into each individual stream. And so when you say try to connect with five people every day, what, what, does, what does connect mean? Because, I mean, it, it feels like there's a lot to get done in 15 minutes in a day, right? I mean, you, you could easily spend 15 minutes just looking at the dashboard you just described and... Exactly. Not, not not engage with anybody. Right. When I say engage, so I, I think of that as any retweet, any favorite, any reply to a person, that's an engagement to me. And it's impressive how much influence that one small engagement carries sometimes. So I'll give you an example. I was trying to connect with a partner that was a big strategic partner of ours. And we have been engaging with that person on Twitter and, um, then we saw a blog and we commented on the LinkedIn blog for that person. And that combined engagement over a course of a week immediately returned a conversation. The partner was interested in talking to us, engaging with us. And we actually signed a partnership deal. It was a very strategic and lucrative for the company. And that's the person that was, I have heard from others. They tried to reach him by calling, emailing, communicating with them in a variety of different ways. But just having that structure set up and where we, we followed that person on Twitter, the decision maker for the partner. And that's a critical thing. You have to find decision makers. Otherwise, you'll be spending a lot of time just retweeting posts from a company that may have a social media intern managing their communication. So really think about who is your decision maker? How do they communicate on Twitter or potentially on LinkedIn? There's a lot of people writing LinkedIn blog posts and they like to have comments. So what we do, we start on Twitter by favoriting, retweeting, replying to some of the communication and posts that our strategic connection of partners or uh, potential leads have. And then we move that conversation down the stream. It could be a LinkedIn conversation or it could be an email conversation. And that works beautifully. Because if you really think about the cold calls that you have to make, you would have to dial for six hours straight just to set one appointment. And that's not effective anymore. But having that connection that we have established through the list by favoriting, tweeting, retweeting, and then sending an email, that works beautiful. Now, you said that some of the the lists that you described uh, or the streams that you described that you'd set up in Hootsuite would be about you and your brand and any mentions or um, uh, Seattle Startup was a hashtag that you used or, or lists of agencies. Um, but how how are you uh, identifying potential clients? 
And you also talked earlier about uh, maybe helping people solve problems or questions. So how 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 do you do that? And and what could folks listening to this uh, this episode do themselves to try and uh, you know fig- figure out how to reach the right people? Well, there are a couple of things. First, you can think about who is your competition. You go to Google and you type for us, it's the digital media agency. And then you immediately get a list returned of top digital media agencies. So from that, you can analyze their social media presence. And that's what we do. I look at the top social media agencies. I look at the top social media with digital media influencers. And then I go to Twitter and I look at who follows them. That's the first indication of the audience that may be interested in um, listening to what I have to say because they're already listening to other folks or influencers in my field. And so following them, uh, following followers of the digital media influencers would be first step to find audience. So that's an example. If you're in in the virtual reality space, it's very hot right now. If you're building games, so who are the top competitors in the gaming world? And then look at the audience that follows them on Twitter, and then you can start reaching out and following them yourself. So that's that's one of the ways to do it. Another way is to really search on LinkedIn and and think about who are the decision makers and consumers of your information. You can go into Google and you can type digital marketers, site, a column, LinkedIn, and we'll bring all of the information of who the digital marketers are on LinkedIn and we'll give you information on their on how to connect with them. And so that's another way to really think about it. But you have to start with really understanding who your customers are. So if your listeners don't have a very clear description of who their customers are, who their competition is, and who their potential partners are, then none of that will work. Right. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, I actually wrote a, a blog post recently, which was um, kind of sharing my own personal experiences of what happens when you are building a product and you are so kind of jaded because you think it's such a great product that everybody is going to want to be your customer, right? And then you're basically talking to nobody that way. Um so, okay. So let, let's assume that, uh, people know who their target customer is. They have a sense of, uh, the competitors in the market. So the things you described, I think are actually really good ways of figuring out, um, you know, who, who they can start to follow, um, uh, to, to try and create, you know, build some, some engagement. Um, how, how do you feel about, uh, what some people do, you know, like, you know, going and using tools and go and follow like, you know, a hundred people every day or something like that. And is, is that, is that really a, a, a useful way to spend your time on Twitter? I think it's incredibly useful if you're very careful about who you're following and you're strategic about um, following people who are active on Twitter. Otherwise, you'll be wasting your time. So the first step is to, yes, it's fine to follow 100 people. But what do you do with them after they followed you back? I think that's the most critical question. Because if you just build 100 more new followers, it's not going to do you any good unless you engage with the followers. So we take that um, one step further. And for anyone who follows us, 
will reach back with a question. And that could be a different question depending on what the audience is and what the people are talking about. So if I'm if I'm thinking about, um, for example, we're working with an e-commerce customer right now, and they're building a new e-commerce product for T subscription. And so for them, for any customer who follows them, we ask them questions about tea. And how do you how do you drink your tea? How do you consume your tea? What's difficult about drinking tea or making tea? So that's another really good way to validate the assumptions that the the product has built into. For example, with the tea e-commerce, we uh, we had an assumption thinking that drinking tea is difficult, the loose leaf tea that is. And we've asked a number of customers on Twitter, followers had followed us back and their response came back saying, it's not really that difficult. So that's an assumption that we moved off of our list right now. So really think about, yes, following people is a good mechanism for you to build your audience, but don't step, don't stop there. Continue to engage with them after they followed you back. And the best way to engage is to ask the question. And to me, it's very interesting to see how many people will respond back and how many people will offer additional information and or would be willing to try your product. So again, in that example of e-commerce, they haven't launched yet. They're one of the companies going through a Founder Institute program, and they get about 70 new subscriptions a day. And so it's an interesting way of building your customer base by just asking questions. We never, ever um, promote. We don't ever send people back to the website. It's just the fact that we're talking to them. It's an engaging opportunity for them. So, so they get 70 email subscriptions right. through their website every day. Right. And we attribute a lot of that to Twitter because we haven't done any, any other marketing really other than the founder going and talking to people and getting feedback in person and That's doing the Twitter activity. So, so when they follow you back, how, how do you ask them the, the question? Are, are you, are you tweeting specifically to, each person and asking the question? Do you do some kind of auto reply? What, what's, what's sort of the mechanism that you use to ask these questions? There's several ways you can, um, the best way is to really respond to each person with individual question. And we, what we do, we have a list of about 50 questions that we think are applicable to in general to our audience. And we would, every time a person follows us back, we would respond back with a question that's applicable to that. So it's asking about, industry trends it's asking about challenges with specific stuff it's just welcoming them sometimes you don't even have to send a question it's welcoming them and saying that you're great you were very grateful that they followed you back it's a matter of acknowledging recognizing and responding to the person more than the content of the question there are some tools and i have seen people abuse the tools so and that completely turns me off because there's nothing worse than somebody who's using using an automated tool and sends the same question or the same response to everybody. So right. I get an e- I get response from somebody on Twitter saying, "Hey Maria, thank you for following me. I really enjoyed your website." And then it has a via unfollowers.com. So I know for a fact that the person never even looked at my website. So to me it turns me off immediately. So I will never engage with that person. So be thoughtful if you automate. Okay, great. So generally you're saying automation isn't the way to go. It could be, but you have to be very careful if you do that. And I get that all the time. I mean, I think everybody's had that, right? You, you, you follow somebody or follow them back. And then suddenly it's like, Hey, uh, thanks for following me. Go and download this thing from my website. Um, 
<laughs> okay, so yeah, anybody does that, Marie is going to come and give you a slap on your wrist. So, right. And then the thing is, don't start selling right away because I think LinkedIn is another fantastic tool to build relationship and ask questions. But I see it all the time. Things land in my inbox and a person never even learned about what I do, but they immediately start selling the services. Sometimes it's the same services that we do and it's completely inappropriate. However, on the different flips, flip side of the coin, I have seen people coming to me and asking questions and really trying to understand what I do in LinkedIn. And I would engage with them and I would have a conversation and can lead to a partnership down the road. So really be thoughtful about what do you do and what's appropriate to do on social media. Selling on social media is not appropriate, at least not right away before you establish the relationship. Okay, so asking questions is is great, and I think that could be a, a really good way to engage and get feedback um, on, on a whole bunch of different things about your business and how you can just do a, a better job to fulfill a need or help people solve a problem. Um, but you, you also mentioned something about helping, um, you know, helping answer questions or solving problems for people. Um, how do you look for those kinds of things? I look for what people are tweeting about and what are the top questions that keep coming up on social media. So really, uh, if someone is talking about a specific problem, there are a lot of things you can do with it. And talking about specific problem is that we go back to the Hootsuite. I have a dashboard and I have specific words that we're listening for and we're, we're looking for. So once that question comes up in social media, we can respond to the person and engage with them right away. Another thing to really consider is that compiling those questions and turning them into your content strategy. Because the best way to create a content strategy is to write about the problems or questions that the, your audience has. Because that will for sure resonate with them. Rather than blogging uh, by trying to come up with random topics all the time, think about how can you um, listen to what your audience is talking about and then pull out the questions that they have and write a blog post about those questions. So for us, our content strategy is largely centered around what are the top questions that people have, top challenges and top struggles. And then we write a blog post about that. Because another thing of the another point of your social media is to build the relationships, but to also get people to come to your website and to potentially sign up to your email list, if not to sign up to buy your product. And Making sure that you speak the language of your customers by first understanding what they say on social media, what they're talking about, and then converting that into content, blogs, or uh, short email newsletters that go out to the customers. That's an incredibly critical, helpful step. Another way to really listen is that if you know who your partners are or who your customers are, look at their favorites on Twitter. Take a look at the things that they're favoriting. Because you will be able to quickly understand what resonates with them. And the favorites, it, it, it's especially in the e-commerce businesses or in the consulting businesses, they, looking at the favorites of the customers or potential partners gives us a lot of insights to understand what are the top problems or questions that the customers are having. 
Okay, that's that, that's a good one. I had never even thought about that. Yeah, I can see. Yeah, I can see a lot of value in in that because it's not only going to give you um, feedback on the kinds of problems they're dealing with, even just by seeing the kinds of tweets or or general content that they find. Um, valuable enough to want to favorite or maybe keep on file or use to reference at some point will give you a much better sense, I guess, of this is the type of information that they need. Absolutely. Another way to do it, you can you can search for mentions of your competition. I know a lot of people do that in the e-commerce and services business. So if you're searching for um, for mentions of your competition, and they come up and it's an unhappy, dissatisfied customer or a customer asking questions and your competition is not responding to them, that's a great opportunity to engage with somebody who's ready to buy, who has a question or has dissatisfaction with the specific um, problem or specific customer uh, interaction that they had with the customer or the cu- with the partner or competitor. And that's an easy way for you to interject in that conversation and try to add value. Because to be to, the beauty of that is that you get the customer at the time when they're ready to engage or to buy. And that's a very precious moment because a lot of things that we do in social media, we interact with potential clients, but they may not be ready to buy or engage with you. What, what are some of the, the buying signals that people can look for to say, you know, this person is ready to buy? Well, um, I'll use one of the examples that I ran across. It's not necessarily something that we have done, but I thought it was genius from a local services perspective. Um, There's a locksmith, and that's the person who um, is very active on Twitter. And what he did, he set up a Twitter notifications. So every time somebody says, I'm locked out of my house on Twitter, he gets a notification and he immediately dispatches, sends a tweet back, I will be in your area in about five minutes. And that's a very um, interesting example of a hyper-local interaction on Twitter for any of the local services. For a consulting business, think about somebody saying, uh, so if you're in a software consulting business and someone's saying, I am having issues with my blah, whatever that product could be, whether it's the I cannot code, I cannot complete that. If you're listening for those types of conversations and you get real-time notification, again, you can respond with a tweet to say, hey, here's a blog post I wrote on that specific topic. And that's how you engage in the software type of business. Same for marketing. If someone is talking about challenges with the website or challenges with the social media campaign, responding to that person immediately, it's, it's more of a real-time marketing and real-time conversation one-to-one. Because that's where we're all headed, right? We came from a place where it was push marketing to now um, a lot of that is pull. But now we're smarter. We're getting bombarded with a lot of things. So it has to be marketing in the moment. And that's what Twitter really does for you. It it shows you that immediate um, time where, where somebody is ready to engage and in the, in the crisis mode, if you will. So they will buy from without doing the normal checks of seven times you have to interact with me before I make a buying decision. So you're really bypassing a lot of the traditional marketing rules of landing the client by doing this one-on-one interactions. Okay. Now you mentioned, um, you know, once you've got an idea of the kind of problems, um, 
these potential clients have, um, there's an opportunity to feed that into your own content marketing strategy and um, create content that's that's highly relevant for them. But before we talk about that, um, how how do you then make that content available? How do you start driving people over to your website? I know you mentioned, you gave one example just now saying if somebody's talking about a specific problem, you can always reply back and say, hey, here's a blog post that we wrote, which which will hopefully answer your questions. And that's, that's one way to do that. Um, how, how do you feel about this, um, sort of the business of, um, you know, uh, promoting or, or regularly sort of like, sort of like the buffer type approach. And I know Hootsuite does this as well. And sort of like just, just scheduling a bunch of your blog post content to be uh, tweeted out every day or every week. So is, is that, is that a, a good thing to be doing or not? It is a good thing to be doing as long as that's not the only thing you're doing. I really think about social media promotional calendar in terms of 60, 30, 10. So 60% of what you are sharing in social media should be about somebody else. And it should be adding value to your customers and it should not be your content. So if you're buffering, and it's and another reason why I love Hootless Suite, because I have a Hootlet installed in my browser, and I read a lot. And every time I read and I find a very interesting article, I would hit that Hootlet button, and it would auto-schedule it for me in Hootsuite. So I'm building that 60% of content that's valuable, that's not mine, that will be auto-scheduled by Hootsuite, so I don't have to worry about trying to put in schedule in a certain time. So the 30% of the things you share, that's where it's okay to share your own content and your own blogs, as long as it's not, as long as it's not the same blog over and over again. So if you have five blogs, you probably won't be able to do 30% of that um, as part of your overall social media mix because it will start being very repetitive. So, but 30% is okay of having your own blogs and only 10%, that's where it's a call to action. And that's where you can have people Pay attention to a specific promotion you're doing. Maybe it's an event that you're doing. Maybe it's a conversation you want to drive people to. So it's no more than 10% of that. Okay. So so the 30% where maybe you promote um, a link to a blog post, right. um, that, that that's a separate kind of call to action in, in the way that you're describing this, right? Right. That's right. Not, okay, got it. It's more adding value rather than than calling to action for a buy or a download or show up in my event thing. So that's a distinction. It's, there's value in the blogs that you're writing. At least that's my assumption. Um, okay. Another thing we have done that was fairly successful is that I strongly believe that writing a book is not that difficult. And a lot of people believe that having an ebook, it's a huge proposition of taking a month or if not years to write. So what we have done in our business, we actually wrote a book and I have a blog where we talk about, you can write a book in two weeks and get it published under a $200 budget. And we've done that for our Twitter ABC book and we published it on Amazon and we have built a number of different links that point to our content on our blog. And so every day I have a book that sits on Amazon and I'm getting leads to our website where they subscribe to download some of the additional lead magnets, as we call them, 
that we have placed in our blogs. So that could be um, we have social media sample plan. That is a downloadable um, downloadable file on our website that we have a link to in our book. And so I get that from Amazon, people coming and downloading, they becoming my customers. And then I also engage with them on social media. So I follow that loop of talking to them. So they, they continue to build relationship with us. Okay. I, f- I found it. So it's called uh, Twitter ABC, the ultimate beginner's guide right. um, on in the Kindle store. Um, and so does, does this book cover, um, uh, presumably it does a lot of the things that we've been talking about here. It does. It's a, it's more of a beginner book. We're actually writing the um, more of advanced version, but for anyone who's just starting on social media, that's a really good book to get started. This is how you find audience to follow. This is how you engage with them. There's some of the formulas and the content and some of the formulas in terms of engagement that we have discussed today. There are in that book. That's a really great idea. Okay. Uh, we have got so much to talk about here. I just, I'm not sure where to keep going with this. <laughs> Okay. So, uh, that, that you've really given me and, and the audience as well. I'm sure a lot to think about when it comes to using Twitter. Um, I want to spend some time talking about what to do next, but is there anything else that you want to just kind of share with the audience as, as far as, um, Twitter goes before we, we talk about, uh, other stuff? I was just want to say that the secret to mastering Twitter or any of social media is being consistent. It's not, it's not a race. It's a marathon and pace yourself. That's the most important thing that you can do. Do it consistently, do it in small chunks and you can see over time how your impact grows. So you can 28 tweets can potentially make a huge impact in the course of a month. But if you don't do it, then nothing will happen because I see lots of people starting and then quitting because they don't see immediate gratification and, and social media is not about immediate graphic gratification all the time. Okay. Um, and w- one last question on Twitter is other than Hootsuite, are there any other tools that you use for Twitter? Uh, we use quite, quite a bit um, um, of tools though. I like Twitter analytics, just looking into the numbers and mentions. Um, Tweetonomy is a great tool in terms of helping me understand the performance of all the different types of tweets that we have sent out. Because if you see which of the posts perform better, then you can use that later in your content strategy, as well as you can do more of certain things. Um, But I think these are probably the top ones. The scheduling tool is Hootsuite. Um, and some of the Twitter analytics tools. Now, we have also used TweetPie in terms of building the audience because it allows us to understand who the influencers are and who their audience is. So when you build or trying to follow somebody, using TweetPie is one of the helpful ways to find the right people. Because because you said not only finding uh, people who are following um influencers or potentially your competitors or, or people like that, but also figuring out how engaged they are. Right. So that, that's probably one way to do that with using a tool like that. Exactly. Okay. That wraps up part one of this interview with Maria Dykstra of trade digital. Uh, you can get to the show notes for this episode by going to conversionaid.com slash 82 in the next episode or part two, we're going to cover content marketing. So we're going to talk about 
What do you actually do after you've started building this presence and authority on Twitter? Uh, how do you start getting that traffic over to your website? And what are the right ways to uh, generate leads from that traffic and eventually convert those leads into customers or clients? Mm. 